So, hey everyone, hope you are doing great. My name is Abhing Lamnu and welcome to my podcast. I talk about finance and self-help books. So today, we'll talk about the luckiest man in Babylon, of the richest man in the Babylon. At the head of this caravan, proudly rode Sarunada, the merchant prince of Babylon. He liked fine clothes and were rich and becoming robes. He liked fine animals and sat easily upon his spirited Arabian stallion. To look at him, one might hardly have guessed his advanced years. Certainly, they would not have suspected that he was in worldly trouble. The journey from Damascus is long and the hardships of the deserts many. This he minded not. The Arab tribes are fierce and eager to loot rich caravans. This he feared not for his many fleet mountain gods were safe protected. About the youth at his side, whom he was bringing from Damascus, was he disturbed. This was Hadan Gullah, the grandsons of his partner of others' years. Arad Gullah, to whom he felt, he owed a debt of gratitude which could never be paid. He would like to do something for this grandson, but the more he considered this, the more difficult it seems because of the youth himself. Eyeing the young man's ring and earring, he thought of to himself. He thinks Joel are for men. Still, he has his granddaughter's strong face. But his grandfather's. Still, he has his grandfather's strong face. But his grandfather's wore no such gaudy robes. Yet I sought him to come, hoping I might help him to get a start of himself and get away from the wreck his father has made up of their inheritance. Hadan Gullah broke in upon his thoughts. Why does thou walk so hard, riding away always with the caravans upon its long journeys? Those do never take time to enjoy life. Saru Nada smiled. To enjoy life, he repeated. What would thou do not enjoy life if the thou were Saru Nada? If I had wealth equal to thee, I would live like a prince. Never across the hot desert would I ride. I would spend the circles as fast as they came to my purse. I would wear the richest of robes and rarest of jewels. That would be a life to my liking. A life worth living, both men love. Thy grandfather wore no jewels, Sarunada spoke, before he thought. Then continued jokingly, Wouldst thou leave no time for work? Work was made for slaves, Hadan Gula responded. Saranada bit his lip but made no reply, riding in silence until the trail led them to the slope. Here, he reined his mount and pointing to the green valley far away. See, there is the valley. Look far down and thou canst faintly see that the walls of Babylon, the tower is the temple of Baal. If thin eyes are sharp, thou mayest even see the smoke from the eternal fire upon its crest. So, that is Babylon. Always have I longed to see the wealthiest city in all the world. Hadan Gula commented, Babylon, where my grandfather started his fortune, would he be still alive? We would not be sorely pressed. Why wish his spirit to linger on earth beyond? It's allotted time. Thou and thy father can well carry on his good work. Alas of us, neither has his gift father and myself known. Not his secret for attracting the gold circles. 
Sarunada did not reply but gave rein to his mount and rode totally down the trail to the valley. Behind them followed the caravan in a cloud of reddish dust. Sometime later, they reached the king's highway and turned south through the irrigated farms. Three old men plowing a feet caught Sarunada's attention. They seemed strangely familiar. How ridiculous! One does not pass a field after forty years and find the same men plowing there. Yet, something within him said, they were the same, one with the uncertain grip, held the plow. The others laboriously plodded beside the oxen, ineffectively beating them with their barrels stubs to keep them pulling. Forty years ago, he had invited this man. How gladly he would have exchanged places. But what a difference now. With pride, he looked back at his trailing caravan. Well-chosen camels and donkeys, loaded high with valuable goods from the Damascus. All this was but one of his possessions. He pointed to the plowers, saying, Still plowing the same field where they were forty years ago. They look it, but they think as thou they are the same. I saw them there. Saru Nada replied. Recollections were racing rapidly through his mind. Why would he not bury the past and live in the present? Then he saw as in picture the smiling face of Aradullah, the barrier between himself and the cynical yaw besides him dissolved. But how could he help such a superior with his pen-trifed ideas and visuals hand? Rock he could offer in the plenty of willing workers, but not for men who considered themselves too good for work. Yet he owed it to Aradgulla to do something, not a half-hearted attempt. He and Aradgulla had never done things that way. They were not that sort of man. A plan came almost in a flash. There were objections. He must consider his own family and his own standing. It would be cruel. It would hurt. Being a man of quick decision, he waived objections and decided to act. Woods, though, be interested in hearing how the worthy grandfather and myself joined in the partnership, which proved so profitable, he questioned. Why not just tell me how thou made the gold circles? This is all I need to know, the young man parried. Sarunada ignored the reply and continued. We start with those men plowing. I was no older than thou. As the column of men in which I marched approached, good gold, Megiddo, the farmer scoffed at the slip sword way in which they plow. Megiddo was chained next to me. Look at the lazy fellows, he protested. He protested. The plow holder makes no effort to plow dips, nor do the beaters keep the oxen in the furrow. How can they expect to raise a good crop with poor plowing? Did thou say Megiddo was chained today? Hadangula asks in surprise. Yes, with bronze collars about our necks and the length of heavy chain between us. Next to him was Zabado. The sheep thief. I have known him in Haram. At the end was a man we call pirate, because he told us not in his name. We judged him as a sailor as he had entwined serpents and tattooed upon his chest in sailor fashion. The column was made up thus to the man who walks in force. Thus 
Wretched as the slaves, Hadangula acts incredulous, incredulously. Did not thy grandfather tell thee I was once a slave? He often spoke of that thee, but never hinted on this. He was a man thou couldst trust within innermost secrets. Thou too art a man I may trust. Am I not right? Sarunada looked in him squarely in the eye. Thou mayest reply upon my silence, but I am amazed. Tell me, how didst thou come to be slave? Sarunada struck his soldiers. Any man may find himself a slave. It was a gaming house and a barely beer. That brought me disaster. I was the victim of my brother's indiscretions. In a brawl, he killed his friend. I was bonded to the widow by my fatir, the spirit to keep my brother from being prosecuted under the law. When my father could not raise the silver to free me, she in anger sold me to the slave dealer. What a shame and injustice, Hadangula protested. But tell me, how didst thou regain freedom? We shall come to that, but not yet. Let us continue my tale. As we passed the plover jet at us, one did off his wake head and low and bow low, calling out, Welcome to Babylon, guest of the kings. He waits for day on the city walls where the banquet is spread. Mud bricks and onion soups, with all the love unroariously, pirated flew pirate flew into a wreck and cursed them roundly. What do these men mean by making awaiting us on the walls? I asked them. To the city walls he marched to cry bricks until the back breaks. Maybe they beat that to death before it breaks. They wouldn't beat me. I'll kill them. Then Megiddo spoke up. It doesn't make sense to me to talk of masters beating willing, hard-working slaves to death. Masters like good slaves and treat them well. Who want to work hard? commented Zabado. Those plovers are wise fellows. They are not breaking their backs, just letting on as if they will. Thou cannot get ahead by shirking. Megiddo protested. If thou plow a hectare, that's a good day's work, and any masters knows it. But when thou plow only a half, that's shrieking. I don't shriek. I like to work, and I like to do good work. For work is the best friends I have ever known. It has brought me all the good things I have had. My farms, cows, and crops. Everything. Yeah, and where are these things now? Scoffed Zabado. I figure it play better to be smart and get by without working you. What's Zabado? If we are to sold to the walls, he'll be crying the water back or some easy jobs when thou who like to work will be breaking the back carrying bricks. He laughed his silly laugh. Terror gripped him. Terror gripped me that night. I would not sleep. I crowded close to the god's rope. And when the elders slept, I attracted the attention of Goroso, who was doing the first god watch. He was one of those brigand Arabs, the sort of rock, who if he robbed they of their purse, would think he must also cut the troll. Tell me, Goroso, I whisper, when we get to Babylon, will we be sold to the walls? Why want to know? He questioned cautiously. Ken do not understand, I pleaded. I am young. I want to live. I don't want to be walked on, beaten to death on the walls. Is there any chance for me to get a good master? He whispered back. I'll tell something. Thou good fellow. Give Godoso no trouble. Most times we go first to slave market. Listen now. 
when buyers come tell him you good worker like to work hard for good master make him want to buy you not make him buy next day you carry big mighty hard work after he walk away i lay in the farm sand looking up at the stars and thinking about work what megido had said about it being his best friend made me wonder if it would be my best friend certainly it would be if it helped me out of this when megido awoke i whispered my good news to him it was one of the ray hop as we marched towards babylon late in the afternoon we approached the walls and could see the lines of men like black ants climbing up and down steep diagonal path as we drew closer we were amazed as the thousands of men walking somewhere digging in the mud others mixed the dirt into mud into mud bricks the greatest numbers were carrying the bra- bricks in the large basket in those steep trails to the mansions overseers cursed the laggards and cracked the block sweeps over the backs of those who failed to keep in line poor worn out fellows were seen to stagger and fall beneath their heavy baskets unable to rise again if the last failed to bring them to their feet they were pushed to the sides of the path and left writhing in agony soon they could be dragged down to join other caravans bodies beside the roadway to await unsanctified graves as i beheld the ghastly sight i shuddered so this was why i awaited my father's son so if he failed at the slave markets god also have been right we were taken through the gates to of the city to the slave prison and next morning marched to the pens in the market here the rest of the men held in fear the only whips of our guard would keep them moving so the buyers could imagine them megido and myself eagerly talked every man who permitted us to address the slave dealer who brought soldiers from the king's guard who sacked pirate and brutally beat him when he protested as they led him away i felt sorry for him megido felt that we could soon be apart when no buyers were tra- near he talked to me earnestly to impress upon me how valuable work would be to me in the future some men hate it they make it their enemy better to treat it like a friend make yourself like it don't mind because it is hard if don't thinks about what a good house thou build then who cares if the beams are heavy and it is far from the where to carry the water for the plaster promise me boy if thou gets a master work for him as hard as thou canst if he does not appreciate all though never mind remember work well done does good to the man who does it it makes him a better man he stopped as a burly farmers came to the enclosures and looked at us critically megido asked about his farms and crops soon convincing him that he would be a valuable man after violent bargaining with the slave dealer the farmer drew a fat purse from the beneath his robes and soon megido had followed his new master out of the sight a few other men were sold during the morning at noon godoso confided to me that the dealer was disgusted and would not stay over another night but would take all the remaining at sundown to the king's buyer i was becoming desperate when a fat good-natured man walked up onto the wall and inquired if there was a baker among us i approached him said why should a good baker like thyself seek another baker of inferior ways would it not be easier to teach a willing man 
like myself, their skill ways. Look at me, I am young, strong and like to work. Give me a chance and I'll do my best to earn gold silver for their purse. He was impressed by my willingness and began bargaining with the dealer, who had never noticed me since he had bought me, but now waxed eloquent of my abilities, good health and good disposition. I felt like a fat ox being sold to butcher. At last, much to my joy, the deal was closed. I followed my new masters away, thinking I was the luckiest man in the Babylon. My new home was much to my liking. Nana Knight, my master, taught me how to green the barley in the stone bowl that stood in the courtyard, how to build a fire in the oven, and then how to green very fine the season's floor for the honey cakes. I had a couch in the shed where his grain was stored. The old slave housekeeper, Swasti, fed me well and was pleased at the way I helped her with the heavy tax. Here was the chance I had longed for me to myself valuable to my masters and I hoped to find a way to earn my freedom. I asked Nana Knight to show me how to knead the master, how to knead the bread, and bake this. This he did, much pleased at my willingness. Later, when I could do this well, I asked him to show me how to make the honey cakes, and as soon as I was doing all the baking, my master was glad to be idle. But Swasti shook her head in disappro disapproval. No work to do is bad for any man, she declared. I felt it was time for me to think of a way by which I might start to earn coins to buy my freedom. As the baking was finished at noon, I thought Nana Knight would approve if I found profitable employment for the afternoons and might share my earnings with him. Then the thought came to me, why not bake more of the honey cakes and peddle them to hungry men upon the streets of city? I presented my plans to Nana Knight this way. If I can use my afternoon after the baking is finished to earn for day coins, would it be only fair for they to share my earnings with me that I might have money of my own to spend for those things which every man deserves and need? Fair enough, fair enough, he admitted. When I told him of my plan to peddle our honey cakes, he was well pleased. Here is what we will do, he suggested. Thou sellest them at two for a penny, then half of the pennies will be mine to pay for the flour and the honey and the wood bake to them. Of the rest, I would sell, take half and thou shalt keep half. I was much pleased by this generous offer that I might keep for myself one-fourth of myself. That night, I walked late to make a tray upon which display them. Nana Knight gave me one of his own robes that I might look well and so I'd still helped me patch it and wash it clean. The next day, I begged an extra supplies of honey cake. They looked brown and tempting upon the tray as I went along the streets loudly calling my wares. At first, no one seemed interested, and I became discouraged. I kept on and later in the afternoon, as men became hungry, the cake began to sell, and soon my tray was empty. Nana Ned was well pleased with my success and gladly paid me my share. I was delighted to own pennies. Megiddo had been right when he said a master appreciated good works from his slaves. That night, I was so excited over my success. I could hardly sleep and tried to figure how much I could earn in a year and how many years would be required to buy me freedom. As I went forward with my tray of cakes every day, I soon found regular customers. One of these was none other than their grandfather, Arad Gula. He was rock merchant and sold, the, sold to the housewife, going from one end of the city to the other, accompanied by a donkey loaded high with rocks and a black slave to any. 
he would buy two cakes for himself and two for his slaves, always daring to walk with him while they ate him. The grandfather said something to me one day that I shall always remember. I like the cakes, boy, but they better still I like the final enterprise with which thou offers them. Such spirit can carry thee far on the road to success. But how canst thou understand, Hadan Gula, what such words of encouragement would mean to a slave's boy, lonesome in a great city, struggling with all the with all he had in him to find a way out of his humiliation. As the month went, I continued to add penises to my purse. It began to have a comforting weight upon my back. Work was proving to be my best friend. Just as Migido had said, I was happy, but Swastika was worried. The master I feared to give him spent so much time at the gaming houses. She protested. I was overjoyed one day to meet my friends Megiddo upon the streets. He was leading three donkeys loaded with vegetables to the market. I am going mighty well, he said. My master would appreciate it. My good work for now. I am a foreman. See, he does trust the marketing to me and also he is sending for my family. Work is helping me to recover from my great trouble. Someday it will help me to buy freedom and once more on a farm of my own. Time went on the Nana night became more and more anxious for me to return from selling. He would be waiting when I returned and would eagerly count and divide our money. He would also ask me to seek further markets and increase my sales. Often I went outside the city gates to solicit the overseers of the slaves building the walls. I hated to return to the disagreeable sites but found the overseas liberal buyers. One day I was surprised to see Zabado waiting in line to fill his basket with bricks. He was gaunt and bent and his back was covered with wells and sores from the whips of the overseas. I was sorry for him and handed him a cake which he cursed into his mouth like a hungry animal. Seeing the greedy look in his eyes, I ran before he could grab my tray. Why dost thou work so hard? Aratgula said to me one day. Almost the same question thou makes for me today. Dost thou remember? I told him what Megiddo had said about work and how it was proving to be my best friend. I showed him with the pride my wallet of pennies and explained how I was saving them to buy my freedom. When thou art free, with what will thou do? He inquired, then I answered, I intend to become a merchant. At that he confided in me, something I had never suspected. Thou knowest not that. I am also a slave, I am in the partnership with my master. Stop, demanded Hadangula. I will not listen to lies defaming my grandfather. He was no slave. His eyes blazed in anger. Sarunada remained calm. I honored him for rising above his misfortune and became becoming a leader, leading citizens of Damascus. <laughs> Art thou men enough to face true facts or does thou prefer to live under false illusions? Hadangula stood then in his saddles. In a voice suppressed with deep emotions, he replied, My grandfather was beloved by all. Countless were his good deeds. When the famines came, did not his gold buy grain in empty, and did not his caravan bring, bring it to Damascus and distribute it to the people, so none could starve. Now those says he was but a despised slave in Babylon. Had he remained a slave in Babylon, then he might well have been 
despite but went out his own efforts he became a great man in damascus the goods did condoned his misfortunes and honored him with their respect sarunada replied after telling me that he was a slave sarunada continued he explained how anxious he had been to earn his freedom now that he had been enough money to buy he, this he was much disturbed as to what he should do he was no longer making good sales and feared to leave the supporter of his master i protested his indecisions cling no longer to thy master get once again the feeling of being a free man act like a free man and succeed like one decided what thou desire to accomplish and then work will do and then work will add to thy achieve he went all this way saying he was glad i had saved him for his cowardice one day i went outside the gate again and i was surprised to find a great crowd gathering there when i asked a man for the, an explanation he replied has thou not heard an escaped slave who murdered one of the king's guard has been brought to justice and will this day he float to death for his crime even the king himself is to be there so dense was the crowd about the flogging post i feared to go near this my tray of honey cakes be upset therefore i climbed up the unfinished wall to see over the heads of the people i was fortunate in having a view of nebuchadnezzar nebuchadnezzar himself as he had drawn by his golden chariot never had i beheld such grandeur such robes and hanging of gold clothes and velvet i could not see the flogging though i could hear the shrieks of the slaves poor slaves i wondered how one so noble as a handsome king would endure to see such sufferings yet when i saw he was laughing and joking with his nobles i knew he was cruel and understand why such inhuman tasks were demanded of the slaves building the walls after the slaves was dead his body was hung upon a pole by a rope attached to his leg so all might see as the crowd began to thin i went close on on the heavy chest i said to they too two in twin serpents it was pirate the next time i met aradullah he was a changed man full of enthusiasm he greeted me behold the slave thou news is now a free man there was magic in my in thy words already my slaves and my profits are increasing my wife is overjoyed she was a free woman the nice of my master she must desire that we move to a strange city where no man shall know i was once a slave thus our children shall be above reproach their father's misfortune work has become my best helper it has enabled me to recapture my confidence and my skill to sell i was overjoyed that i had been able even in a small way to repay him for the encouragement he had given me one evening swasti came to me in deep distress the master is in trouble i fear for him some months ago he lost much as the gaming tables he plays not for the farmer for his grain nor his honey he pays not the money lender they are angry and threaten him why should we worry about his food we are not his keeper i replied thoughtlessly foolish youth thou understand not to the money lenders did he give the little to secure a land under the law he can claim thee and sell thee i know that what to do he is a good master why oh why should such trouble come upon me 
not where Swasti's fears ground in. While I was doing the baking next morning, the money lender returned with a man he called Sassy. The man looked me over and said, I would do. The money lender waited for, not for my master to return out. My back. Return, but told Swasti to tell him that he had taken me. With only the rope on my back and the purse of pennies hanging safely from my belt, I was hurried away from the unfinished packing. I was well away from the dearest hope as the hurricane snatches the tree from the forest and I cast it into the surging sea. Again a gaming house and barely beer had cursed me disasters. Sassi was a blunt, gruff man. As he led me across the city, I told him of the good work I had been doing for Nana Night and said I hope to do good work for him. He replied offered no encouragement. I like not this work. My master liked it not. The king has told him to send me a bill section of the Grand Canal. Master tells Sassi to buy more slaves. Work hard and finish quick. Bah! How can any man finish big job quick? Picture a desert with no tree. Just low shrubs and a sun burning with such fury, the water in our bavaria became so hot, we could scarcely drink. Then picture rows of men going down into the deep excavations and lugging heavy baskets of drip absorbed, dusting trails from daylight until dark. Picture food served into open throats from which he helped ourselves like swine. He had no tents, no straws for band. That was the situation in which I found myself. I buried my wallet. I buried my wallet in a market mark spot, wondering if I could ever dig it up again. At first, I woke with goodwill, but as the month dragged on, I felt my spirit breaking. Then the heart fever took hold of my very whole body. I lost my appetite and would scarcely eat the mutton and vegetables. At night, I would toss in unhappy faithfulness. In my misery. I wondered if Zabado had not the best plan to shriek and keep his back from being broken in war. Then I recalled my last sight of him and knew his plan was not good. I thought of Pirate with his bitterness and wondered if it might be just as well to fight and kill. The memory of his bleeding body reminded me that this plan was so useless. Then I remembered my last night of Megiddo. His hands were deeply clouds from hard work. But his heart was light and there was happiness on his face. He was his best plan. Yet, I was just as willing to walk as Megiddo. He could not have walked harder than I. Why did my walk bring me happiness and success? Was it work that brought Megiddo happiness or was happiness and success merely in the laps of the good? Was I, wo I to walk the rest of my life without gaining my desires, without happiness and success? All of these questions were jumbled in my mind and I had not answered. Indeed, I was sorely confused. Several days later, when it seemed that I was at the end of my endurance and my questions still unanswered, Sassi went for me. A messenger had come from my master to take me back to Babylon. I dug up on my previous precious wallet, wrapped myself in the tattered remnants of my robes and was on my way. As we wrote the same thoughts of the hurricane, Rarely mean hider and tider kept racing through my fairy's brain. I seemed to be leaving the weird words of my chant from my native town of Haram. Besetting a man like weird one, driving him like a strong, 
whose country no one followed, whose destiny no one can foretell. Was I destined to be ever thus punished for I knew not what? What new miseries and disappointments awaits me? When we rode to the courtyard of my master's house, imagine my surprise when I saw Arat Gula awaiting me. He held me down and hugged me like a long-lost brother. As we went our home, I had, I would have followed him as a slave should follow his master, but he would not permit me. He put his arm about me, saying, I hunted everywhere for thee. When I had almost given up hope, I did miss Swasti, who told me of the money lender, who directed me to the noble owner, a hard bargain he had drive and made me pay an outrageous price, but thou art worried. Thy philosophy and thy enterprise had been inspiration to his new success. Megiddo's philosophy, not mine, I interpreted. Megiddo's and Tin, thanks to the both, we are going to Damascus and I need they for my partner. See, he exclaimed. In one moment, though, he was a free man, so saying he drew from beneath his robe that clay tablet carrying my title. This from beneath his robe. This he raised above his head and hurled it to break in a hundred pieces upon the cobblestones. With glee he stumped up upon the fragments until they were but dust. Tears of gratitude filled my eyes. I knew I was the luckiest man in Babylon. Rocked or see by this in the time of my greatest distress. This proved me to my best friend. My willingness to walk enabled me to escape from being sold to join the slaves. Gang up upon the walls. It was so impressed. The grandfather, he selected me for partner. Then Hadan Gula questioned. Was work my grandfather's secret key to the golden sickles? It was only keys he had when I first knew him. Saru Nadan replied, The grandfather enjoyed working. The gods appreciated his works and rewarded him liberally. I began to see. Hadan Gula was speaking thoughtfully. Work attracted his many words who admired his industry and the success it works. Work brought him the honors he enjoyed so much in the maskars. Work brought him all those things I was approved and I thought work was fit only for slaves. Life is rich with many pleasures for men to enjoy. Sarunada commented. Each day has its place. I'm glad that work is not reserved for slaves. Were that the case, I would be deprived of my greatest pleasure. Many things do I enjoy, but nothing takes the place of work. Sarunada and Hadan Gula rode in the shadow of the towering walls upon the massive bronze gates of Babylon. At their approach, the gate gods jumped to their attentions and respected fully saluted an honored citizen with head high, high Sarunada, led a long caravan through the gates and up the streets of the city. I had always hoped to be a man like my grandfather, Hadan Gula confided to him. Never before did I realize just what kind of man he was. This thou had shown me. Now that I understand, I do admire him with all more and feel more determined to be like him. I fear. I can never repay thee for giving me a true key to his succeed. From this day forth, I shall use his keys. I shall start humbly as he started, which benefits my true stations far better than jewels and fine robes. So saying, Hadan Gula pulled the jewels, bubbles from his ears and the rings from his finger. He reinning his horse. He dropped back and rode with deep respect behind the leader of caravan. So guys, this is the hand of the richest man in Babylon, and I hope you liked it very much. Thank you.